The Truth News Network. Since Gutenberg, we were warned not to trust what we read in the papers. At no time in history has that been more true than it is today. So where do you go for news you can trust? You turn to TNN, the Truth News Network, and the most trusted man in America, Dan Newman. Well, I don't know about that. I'm trusted, but I don't know, I have no idea if I'm the most trusted man in America, but I am Dan Newman. Yeah, I know, you could consider me froggy today from the little rascals. I warned you. Yesterday, the day before, I began this spiral into deep, deep chest stuff. And you're getting the benefit or the curse of it today, whichever one of those you want to just label what you're getting. But anyway, it sounds a lot worse than it is. I feel okay. I really do. Let me just say this. I want to thank you. And especially want to thank you for what I'm about to tell you. Our live audience grows every day. And... Our podcast downloads are growing every day exponentially. Why is that? People are hearing about TNN Live and Truth News Network. You're telling people, you're letting people know, hey, there's a voice out there that is honest, that is factual, and doesn't cover the dirt from any perspective other than the fact of what it is. But when you listen, when you read, you get facts. Isn't it good to have a source? And I'm not just patting myself on the back. Not at all. But isn't it good that you have a new source, an opinion source that you can go to, and when you're told facts, you know they're factual. And when you're given opinion, you know it's opinion. We don't conflate to two here. And let's be honest about it. Opinions are important too. We all have those on every issue in our lives. And we use opinions, hopefully, salted with a lot of facts to use to make our decisions, life-changing decisions. And don't you understand? I know you do. I don't even know why I asked that. But you understand every decision we make today can be, in many cases, is life-changing. Not just for us, but for people in our families people who we work with and people who work for us, our relatives, neighbors. We impact the lives of so many other people and we lose that fact in large part because of all the noise that it's it's brought to us with every day. We try to filter through that. And you're joining us, you're telling others about it, it proves to us that at least in the majority, you believe what we're telling you and you've tested it you found out for yourself, it is factual. It is the truth. And sadly, we have too many facts to bring you to today, and it's becoming this much every day. The majority of what we bring is not good news, but it's factual. And listen, did you hear, as we closed the show yesterday, that two-minute speech by Ronald Reagan from 1981? Tell you what I'm going to do. I know a bunch of you missed it. And so during our first break, I'm going to load that into our system and let you hear it coming out of the first break. It talks about Americans. It talks about the Gipper. Talk to us, or at least that generation back in the early 80s, which I was one of those in that generation. This was when I was 28, 29 years old. 
I had pretty much established my thought process, at least for politics, for the remainder of my life. I learned very young that I was a conservative. Nobody had to tell me. I puzzled through that and got it myself. I got into radio in 1969. I was in high school, and my speech teacher was a news director of a little local radio station in Franklin, Louisiana, KFRA. It doesn't even exist anymore. And I got on the air, and uh, I wasn't a news guy. I was a DJ. And let me tell you, in South Louisiana in 1969, a junior in high school, a DJ at a rock and roll radio station. Oh, my goodness. I was literally a rock star at school. But what I did when I was on the air every top of the hour, we had a five-minute news show. And I began to listen to the news. And it wasn't back then. It wasn't prevalent for news people to give a news report, tell you it's news, But now what they do is they give their opinions about something and they tell us that's the news when it's not really the news, it's their opinion. I discerned from that, even at that young age, I was 16, I discerned what the facts were in politics and I realized, hey, I'm a conservative kid. I'm out here working. I'm getting paid X dollars. And I don't like the idea that my government, if you remember, folks, federal income taxes, the rate in the early 80s was 60%. More than half came off the top in federal income tax. That's what Ronald Reagan inherited from Jimmy Carter. We reference Jimmy Carter a lot now because Joe Biden has actually displaced former President Jimmy Carter as the worst president in U.S. history, especially on economics. So I learned then what it is to be a conservative and what that means and what I wanted for my life and how I felt like I could achieve it and throw away the things that would keep me from achieving it. And thanks to God, I've been pretty successful through my life at that. And I'm so thankful, but it's not something that just happened. It took real digging, working, asking questions to get to facts that I could just make part of my thought mindset, make decisions based on. And you know what? What seeds you put in the ground is what's going to grow every time, every single time. When you put bad seed in the ground, you get the results of bad seed, bad fruit. The opposite is true, thankfully. I thank God for that. And I thank God for you. If you're joining us, I have been struggling with this now for two days and slept last night. Now, we live in Louisiana. It's hot and it's humid. And so stupid me, I put a fan on that blew in my face in the bedroom all night long. So it makes the voice sound a little worse than it really is. But I, I appreciate, I know some of you prayed for me and have been, and thank you for that. And I'm feeling much better than I sound. Maybe, oh maybe, I shouldn't have done the show today. But there's too much out there. There's too many important things. Um, James Posey just dropped me a text. Sounds like you're about to lose your voice completely. Nobody, it's not going. It's just going to be gravelly. But I think you can understand what I'm saying. And if you can't, let me know. 
We don't have to do the entire show today, but I think when we get started, you're going to want us to, and I want to. You know something we haven't talked much about of late is this mess going on or the mess that's not even happening regarding this picketing and these threats against just the conservative justices that sit on the Supreme Court. Not the whole Supreme Court, just the conservatives. And it's all over the imminent, impending Roe v. Wade determination by the Supreme Court. It looks like that's the way it's going to come out. That it's unconstitutional and they'll overdo Roe. But this is what I want to talk about. There is somebody at the Supreme Court that controls all of this. And what do you mean, Dan? I'm talking about making sure the justices on the court are protected and that their and their families are not in danger of any kind of life-threatening attack. Who would that be? Chief Justice Roberts. He is the Chief Justice. So since that, since that infamous leak of the Supreme Court draft majority opinion, when it came out, Americans have waited with bated breath for the high court to issue a verdict on the constitutionality of the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that federally legalized abortion in the nation, across the nation. States had no input into it. Despite high expectations that the court would release its final opinion, which is expected to deem Roe unconstitutional on Monday, Supreme Court instead issued a series of less contentious opinions, once again, leaving millions of Americans in limbo. The high court is set to release more legal opinions yesterday and today. I didn't see any big one come out yesterday. Notable cases pertaining to gun rights, school choice, and the regulatory power of the EPA also awaiting publication. So while the big one, the Roe, majority draft opinion striking down federally legalized abortion has generated enthusiasm from pro-life activists. The prospect of Supreme Court overturning Roe has pushed an already unhinged left to their breaking point. Since that draft leaked out in the press, and it wasn't a leak, it was purposeful, I guarantee you. And it came out in Politico. Now what does that mean? That's a leftist rag that almost certainly means one of the underlings that work for those leftist Supreme Court justices probably leaked that to Politico. We don't know that yet. We may never know. But leftists in the nation have repeatedly shown up in droves at the homes of just the Republican-appointed members of the court, and they are literally harassing and attempting to intimidate the justices into keeping Roe v. Wade in place. Last month, left-wing activist groups shut down D.C., organized a demonstration outside of Justice Samuel Alito's Virginia home because it's been impossible to reach him at the Supreme Court. Participants were shouting phrases such as, our bodies, our voice, and Alito is a coward. Threatening demonstrations have also taken place at the Virginia home of Justice Amy Coney Barrett from New Orleans. The radical pro-abortion group Ruth sent us recently encouraging its supporters to target her home, her children, and her church. 
They said this, if you're in the D.C. metro area, join us. Our protest at Barrett's home moved the needle to this coverage, the group said. Falls Church is a people of praise stronghold. She sends her seven kids to a people of praise school that she sat on the board of directors for. She attends church daily. Oh my gosh, a good Catholic that goes to Mass. That's satanic, isn't it? No, that's a freedom of religion. While possessing the power to arrest and charge demonstrators, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, he should have stopped this. He should have put enough federal officials out there to stop this. He himself, Merrick Garland, was once a Supreme Court Justice nominee. What he's done is decided not to prosecute these people. They, all of these demonstrators, every one of them, is violating 18 U.S. Code 1507, a federal law which outlaws even picketing outside a judge's home with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice. The most heinous of the left's intimidation tactics came last week when a deranged leftist was arrested outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh for planning to assassinate the justice for his purported support of overturning Roe. In addition to being buried by the New York Times, the story got zero coverage by any of the major Sunday news shows. ABC didn't cover it, NBC didn't, CBS, nor CNN. They didn't even mention it. President Biden, you would think any president would stand up, make a big deal out of it, and tell people, no matter what your political perspective is, don't break the law or you will be held accountable. Not Joe. Not a peep from Joe. He's neglected to directly acknowledge that attempt on Kavanaugh's life. The only response from the White House being a statement from a deputy press secretary that said, Biden condemns the actions of this individual in the strongest terms. So where does John Roberts come in this? Well, after that draft opinion was released, Chief Justice Roberts announced the launch of an investigation to find out who leaked it. Not only has Roberts' investigation cataclysmically failed to out that leader, that leaker, and hold this person accountable for his or her actions, we're a month after that. The Chief Justice's continued withholding of the final decision on that issue has concurrently continues to endanger the lives of his colleagues. As noted by Federalist CEO Sean Davis, Roberts could issue Dobbs today and eliminate threats of violence to prevent its release, but is instead deliberately doing nothing. What conclusions can be drawn other than that Roberts is fine with what the leak has done and that he's fine with the prospect of violence and even assassinations precluding the release of a Dobbs release overturning Roe v. Wade, that's what it appears to me. According to prior reporting, Roberts plans to oppose the overturning of Roe alongside the court's Democrat appointees, with the Chief Justice allegedly attempting to sway Justices Barrett 
and Kavanaugh to join him. In other words, folks, John Roberts, who when he was appointed by Bush 43, was a real conservative. But somewhere during the Trump four years, he flipped and he has been caucusing almost totally with the far left on the court. Just as his caving to public pressure on the court's 2012 Obamacare case, Democrats licensed to harass and bully Supreme Court justices. Roberts' refusal to issue this Dobbs decision has opened a floodgate for a bevy of continued threats, acts of violence against sitting members of the court, and it's coming only from left-wing anarchists, and they're going to continue to do it unless he stops it, and he can stop it all the day. He could make one phone call to Merrick Garland, and it would stop. They're going to continue, and it's probably going to get louder and louder and more dangerous the longer this goes on. Maybe that's what Roberts is hoping for. And I hate to say this. It would be an opinion if I gave you an answer to what I think there, so I'm not going to do it. But it's got to be one thing or another. He's either scared poopless or he's hoping this pressure will turn Justices Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh. I don't know either one of them personally. I've known of Amy Coney Barrett for years. Being a New Orleans native, she grew up there, and she's one of the best friends of a good friend of mine, 4th Congressional District in Louisiana, Congressman Mike Johnson. I think both of those, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, the more pressure people put on them to try to get them to turn and do something opposite of their convictions, the more committed they are. We're going to do the right thing, and we don't care what politics says. If you're a praying person, do this today. Anytime during the day or the next few days, when this thought comes to mind or you hear a news story about it, whisper a prayer for protection for these justices. We don't need any craziness any more than we already have. And I got to tell you, we have a bunch going on, don't we? Will you give me a second to take a swallow? And you may wonder what I just swallowed. Yesterday, I confessed, I had about a, I don't know, half an ounce of wild turkey whiskey that contained unfiltered in the wild bee honey. And as that slid down my throat, I can't tell you, it burned in a really bad way because as you can tell, my throat is is just raw. But what it, what it did was give me the whatever I needed to get through the show. And you couldn't really tell. I listened to a little bit of the show. Other than sounding very deep in my voice, you couldn't tell it was bad. It's it's bad this morning sounding bad, but it feels about the same as yesterday. Going to be okay. Thanks for tolerating me. And if you need to get off of the show because it hurts you when I talk, I understand. Come back later and get the podcast. So looking around the nation, There's a lot of noise, a lot of senseless, untruthful noise. Let's look at the fossil fuel business just for a minute. OPEC, 
OPEC, those evil Mideast countries that basically control the distribution of the majority of crude oil on the planet. And let me tell you, what's the big deal about OPEC oil? I can tell you it's, it's the cleanest on the planet. Do you know that there are some spots in Saudi Arabia where people can actually go out in their backyards with a shovel and strike oil? And naturally, some of it is gold and clear. It's that pure. Well, OPEC has stuck with its forecast that world oil demand will exceed pre-pandemic levels this year. Although the producer group OPEC said Ukraine's conflict developments around the COVID pandemic pose a considerable risk. They released their monthly report on Tuesday. OPEC maintained its forecast that world oil demand is going to rise by 3.36 million barrels a day some point in this year, 22, extending a recovery from 2020 slump. The war in Ukraine sent oil briefly above $139 a barrel back in March. That's the highest since 2008, worsening inflationary pressures, which are really huge right now anyway. COVID lockdowns today in China, where a Beijing outbreak has prompted the resumption of their mass testing, have curbed oil demand in China. And by the way, the nation of China is Iraq's number one oil customer. Inflationary pressures are likely to persist, and it remains highly uncertain as to when geopolitical issues may be resolved. Nevertheless, oil demand is forecast at healthy levels in the second half of this year. That's the report OPEC released. The report says OPEC expects world consumption to surpass the 100 million barrels per day mark during the third quarter this year, and that's in line with their earlier projections. And for the 2022 average to reach 100.29 million barrels per day, that's just a little bit above the pre-pandemic rate back in 2019. So OPEC kept this year's global economic growth forecast at 3.5%, adding the downside remains significant, the upside potential quite limited. And yesterday, after this report came out, oil extended an earlier gain, trading further above $123 a barrel. You know, there's so many ironies in every story we talk about. Isn't it ironic that even before Joe Biden was inaugurated, when the results of that election back in November, two months before the inauguration, even after the results came out and confirmed Biden was going to be the next president, all of a sudden, the price of gasoline, the price of oil, started going up every day. $1.69 a gallon I paid the day of the election. By the time Biden took office, at that same service station, the price of gas was up a dollar a gallon. It's doubled. It's doubled since Joe Biden was elected. So what changed? I got to be honest with you. I'm sick and tired of all of this blame game stuff going on. 
the White House people in his administration, they got to think you and I are too stupid to find and believe the facts. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. And while I'm taking the break, I'm going to go grab something else, (laughs) a glass of warm water that I can sip on during the show. I'm going to do that. When we come back, we're going to break down. What's the deal with the oil industry, especially in light of what Joe Biden is doing, screaming and hollering and threatening companies, oil-producing companies? What's his beef? And can and could he really stop this if he wanted to? And I'm going to tease it and tell you, yeah, if he wanted to, he could stop it. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep, there's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. That song came from a, um, everybody thought, oh, that's that's an African-American group. Cut the Cake. Average White Band is the name of the band. Um, It's not African-American. They're all white, or at least they were. But it's a good sound. That came from the, I guess, the late 70s. Man, when you get old, just time just kind of blurs. But I'm pretty sure that's when it was out. Good song. A lot of good music. I got to be honest with you, being in the music business a huge portion of my life, we do these music bumps to go back into stories after coming out of a commercial break. Sometimes I just like to let the music roll and listen to a good song or two with you. And we've done that once or twice. We may do that today. Listen, 
let's just back up for just a minute and look at the political economic landscape of our nation, not from ground level where we live. We face it. We know what's going on. A lot of what's going on, we don't necessarily have the correct reasons yet, but we know who's responsible and we know what's going on. We are very far from the democratic love of federalism that presented itself over the past four years. Federalism, what does that mean? That doesn't mean the federal government is totally in charge. Federalism means the people of the United States, the ones who choose our federal government, are in charge. Joe Biden walked away from that even before he took his oath of office. Former President Trump, he's gone. And know this, when a Republican is in the White House, Democrats cheer on their governors as their governors buck the administration. But now... There's a Democrat as president. States that don't buy into the Democrat agenda got to be bludgeoned into submission. Biden, who thinks that the vaccine is so ineffective that we must protect vaccinated people from the unvaccinated people. He wants to dictate COVID-19 policies from on high in D.C. He and the Democratic Party only view federalism as a helpful tool to resist Republican presidents. When a Democrat calls the shots, Republican governors don't get the same process. Now, Biden is doing this. He has been for over a year. We've watched him. We see it. He's doing this for a bunch of reasons, including to shift the focus away from the disasters that he set in motion in Afghanistan and his failed promise to shut down the virus, and then, of course, the price of oil. But he's doing all this primarily because this is what Democrats want to do every time they control the presidency. Joe's already sicked his Justice Department on the state of Georgia over a very benign voting reform law because it doesn't match what Democrats want. You remember all the screaming and hollering? Oh, it's going to suppress the vote. People won't be able to vote in Georgia. More than a million votes were cast in this primary season in the first primary election in Georgia. More than a million people voted this year than voted in 2020. This year, after that voter suppression law was passed in Georgia, except for a few members, Democrats in D.C. have no consistent view of how the government should work beyond might makes right, power, power. They're just a handful of Democrat senators keeping the legislative filibuster in place, which was never a worry when Republicans ran the chamber from 2015 until earlier this year. There were no threats regarding the filibuster. Elected Democrats are increasingly in favor of reforming, that's their term, the Supreme Court, so that it only returns rulings that they want to see. Joe's repeated power grabs, his constant attempts to stretch the power of the presidency over the court and states, or not just because he's an authoritarian, which he is, it's because authoritarianism is the guiding light of the Democrat Party, at least only when Democrats control the necessary levers of power. 
President Biden wrote a letter Wednesday to oil industry executives. This should scare the bejesus about all of us. It should. He warned the leaders of seven major U.S. oil producers and refiners, ExxonMobil, Chevron, BP America, Shell, Phillips 66, Marathon, and Valero, that he is prepared, and this is his terms, prepared to use all reasonable and appropriate federal government tools and emergency authorities to increase petroleum refinery capacity and output. The average price of gasoline nationwide hit a record $5.02 per gallon Tuesday. It's up again yesterday. It's up again today. In contrast, the average cost of diesel hit an all-time high of $5.78 a gallon yesterday, according to AAA. I understand that many factors contributed to the business decisions to reduce refinery capacity, which occurred before I took office, as Biden wrote in the letter. But at a time of war, refinery profit margins well above normal being passed directly onto American families are unacceptable. With prices for your product where they are today, you have ample market incentive to take these actions, and I recognize that some of you have already begun to do so. However, U.S. refining capacity utilization, it jumped to 91.3% in March, its highest race since uh, June of 2021, and it's expected to go to uh, excuse me 94% starting next month through September. That's according to a June 7th report from the Energy Information Administration. In other words, that's coming from Biden. That's a pretty good darn number, 94%. Refining utilization measures how much fuel refiners produce from crude oil inputs relative to their total production capacity. The EIA noted that while refinery utilization is going to continue to increase over the upcoming months, total output will remain relatively low since Full domestic capacity has dropped by 900,000 barrels a day since 2019. The latest federal data showed that total U.S. operable refinery capacity peaked at nearly 19 million barrels a day in early 2020. But now it's dropped to about 17.9 million barrels a day. Exxon said it has been in regular contact with the White House to update it on its continued investments in domestic oil and gas supplies. That's in a statement they shared with the DCNF. The Texas-based company added, federal government should promote investment through a, and here's the caveat, here's what Joe changed, and they've got to go back to. He's got to go back to if he wants this to change and go back to where it was. They're calling on him to give to them a clear and consistent policy on fossil fuel. What does that mean? The federal government needs to streamline the regulatory approval process for fossil fuel infrastructure and holding regular oil and gas lease sales. 
We've been investing through the downturn to increase refining capacity to process light crude by about a quarter of a million barrels a day, the equivalent of adding a new medium-sized refinery. This is from the oil company, Exxon. We kept investing even during the pandemic when we lost more than $20 billion and had to borrow more than $30 billion to maintain investment to increase capacity to be ready for post-pandemic demand. Do you know when the last major refinery was built in the U.S.? Marathon Oil's facility built at my state in Louisiana in 1977. That's the last refinery to be built here. You know why? Because of all the EPA regulations. Every Democrat president that comes in, almost without exception, the first thing, number one on their list, destroy the fossil fuel industry. Destroy it. Now, there's a lot more to this story. This is from today's lead story at truthnewsnet.org. I want you to go back there, but I'm going to stop here. Here's what I'm going to explain to you. I've been in a small scale in the oil and um oil and gas business, exploration business, was part of, we drilled, I can't even remember, six or seven wells, not deep wells, but every one of them hit oil and gas, thankfully. (laughs) And then I got out of the business. I got out on top and I feel like I was a major winner. All that being said, here's how the process works. If anybody else in the Biden administration gets in front of a television camera microphone and you hear them say this, there are 9,000 oil leases out there that the oil companies refuse to act on. They don't need any help from the federal government. They just need to go drill. That is the most fraudulent thing to come out of this administration. Let me tell you why. When they approve a lease on a specific piece of property, they want you to think all the oil companies got to do is pick up the phone and call Bubba and tell Bubba, hey, we got this lease on this piece of land up here. Won't you move our biggest, deepest rig, move it up there and prepare to start drilling for oil or gas next week? They want you and every American to think that's what happens. That's not even close. You get nothing when you lease land from the federal government. Nothing whatsoever. Certainly, you don't have the right to drill. They won't tell you this. But to apply for a permit to drill, even on federal land, guess who controls it? 100%. The Environmental Protection Agency. And guess who runs the EPA? Joe Biden, his energy secretary. Who might that be? The most inept person in his cabinet. Former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm. In the show today, you're going to hear a little bit of the stupidity of her, the energy secretary. All that being said, it takes a long time to get these drilling permits. And I asked one current developer for a Haynesville shale, which is a deep 
directional well. It cost about 17 to $20 million to drill one. And that's where they go down and get this gas. And it just, it's just incredible when they hit it. But somebody's got to fork up about $20 million just to dig the hole. And by the way, there are no guarantees it's going to be oil and gas in it when they get to the bottom. And if it's not, what happens? Whoever put up that 17 to $20 million to drill that hole, they're out. You heard what that ExxonMobil exec put in that letter to Biden, reminding him Exxon lost $20 billion during the pandemic. $20 billion. Now, who pays for that? Exxon didn't call Washington, D.C. and say, we need your help. We've seen that happen in the past. When Barack Obama was president, Joe Biden was vice president. Joe Biden was instrumental in letting all the automakers in Michigan come to D.C. when they were losing their butts. It wasn't the fault of the American people. It wasn't even the fault of Washington, D.C. But they came with their hands out. And what did Barack and Joe do? Wrote them all checks. Kept them in business, bailed them out. Did you hear any of those phone calls coming to the ExxonMobil headquarters and all of those other drilling and oil and gas production companies? Not a peep. They swallowed hard and they buried it. So let me ask you this. Do you have any concept of what happens? All of these big companies like ExxonMobil, what are the other ones? I want to I want to I want to bring them up here. Chevron, Shell, Phillips 66, Marathon, and Valero. Those are the big ones. And there are a bunch of smaller ones. Where do these guys get the money to go do these $20 million drilling projects? Do you have any idea? They put oil exploration deals together. If you listen to radio, you hear these groups selling these partnerships in these drilling operations where an American can invest money in a drilling project and be guaranteed they're going to get their money paid back. And so who puts up that money? It doesn't necessarily come from John Q. Public that writes a check for $15 million to join with Exxon or Shell or Chevron to drill a rig, drill a hole. It comes from investment banks on Wall Street. So guess what happened even before Joe Biden was inaugurated? He made a trip to Wall Street. And you know what he did? He went bank to bank and he told them, we are going to transition. Our administration is going to transition Americans' energy demands away from fossil fuel. We want you to help us in that venture. How can you help us? Stop lending oil companies money for drilling. You didn't even know that, did you? And let me tell you what the impact was. In just one year under Joe Biden, the Wall Street investment bank's investment in oil and gas exploration, the deals that they put together all year long, for decades, it dropped 91%. 
91%. Why did that happen? Is, is it because there's no profit in it? Right now, folks, oil is $130 a barrel. Don't you think there are investors in these Wall Street banks that are screaming and hollering at the people that said, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to take your money and invest somewhere else. Some of these people remember when oil was $40 a barrel. And they look at what it is now, and they water at the mouth. Oh my gosh, I wish I was in it. I'd be making a fortune. You know why they're not in it? Joe Biden. It's his fault, folks. Everything, everything starts at the top. The federal government is no different than my company, your company, whoever is in charge and who is over the decisions that are made. Those are the ones that either are responsible for the good, the wins, the profits, or they're responsible for the losses. In this government, make no mistake, Joe Biden is responsible for that. Now, let me tell you something else. It's it's kind of a tag team on this that's happening today. The U.S. stockpile of diesel fuel, which, as you know, is vital for the transportation sector, economy at large, it hit a nearly two-decade low as fuel prices hit a record high yesterday. The nationwide stockpile of distillate fuel oil, which is a category including category including diesel and fuel oil, declined to about 104 million barrels. That's the lowest level since May of 2005. East Coast inventories fell to 21.3 million barrels of diesel fuel, or about two weeks' worth of supply. Just two weeks, the lowest level since data was first recorded back in 1990. I would not be surprised to see diesel being rationed on the East Coast this summer. That's from John Castamidis, the CEO of the United Refining Company. Current inventories are low. We may see a shortage in July and August. Meanwhile, the average cost of diesel, it's over $5.50 a gallon, the highest level ever recorded. Diesel is categorized by uh, a Joe Biden the lifeblood of the global economy. It's vital for construction, mining, agriculture. The transportation industry alone consumes 122 million gallons of diesel every day. And that was in 2020. It's up from then. What we've seen this year has been the capabilities to turn oil into diesel and gasoline and jet fuel. It's diminished. It's gone down. That's from Jacques Rousseau, a managing director at Clearview Energy Partners. That's one of the companies, investment companies, that goes out and gets these investors. Hey, we're putting a deal together, a Wall Street bank, and we're going to do this. They're not getting those people to do it because Biden has pushed them to stop these investments. Seven refineries which processed about 806,000 barrels of oil a day, have shut down seven of them over the last three years. That leaves the U.S. with 124 operating refineries, down more than 10% since 2016. That's according to this government administration. Total U.S. operating refinery capacity fell 4.5% 
between 2020 and 2021. It's now 17 million barrels a day, its lowest level since 2013. Meanwhile, bans on Russian fuel here and in Europe in the middle of the Ukraine crisis have put even more pressure on the American energy industry, which has sought to fill the gaps in the global supply chain. Although the U.S. is a net exporter of distillate fuel oil, it's still imported 77,000 barrels of the product from Russia in February. That's after the war started. A lot of countries won't accept Russian fuel anymore. And to be honest with you, it is the dirtiest oil that comes out of the ground on the planet. Direct opposite of what I told you comes out of the ground in Saudi Arabia and Iraq. The two largest American transportation and freight companies, UPS and Union Pacific, they have upped their fueled surcharges to account for the market instability. UP, which transports freight through rail, hiked its surcharge to a whopping 39% this month. Have you had Joe heard him go after Union Pacific or UPS? No, he won't do that. You know why? They're big union shops. Joe's in the tank. All of the big unions, the AFL-CIO, the biggest majority of unions, they have him. They're in his pocket, and he's in theirs. Who is ever going to forget the hypocrisy of Democrat politicians? Their legacy media lapdogs, even President Joe Biden, entrenched in their constant allegations against Trump, calling him an autocrat. How many times have you heard it? Do you have any clue what an autocrat is? Well, let me just tell you what it is. I'll give you the Webster version. This is straight from Webster's Dictionary. Two different definitions of autocrat. One, a person such as a monarch ruling with unlimited authority. Or two, one who has undisputed influence or power. Does that in any stretch of the imagination, is that Donald Trump or what we saw from him in his four years as president? No. They can't name one thing, not a single thing, that he tried to do that could be even called something an authoritarian would, would do. So let's put the shoe on the other foot. President Joe Biden. Joe Biden is playing the role that he blamed Trump for that Trump never attempted to ascend to. Of course, we're biased. So let's go to somebody else that if they're biased, they're biased the other way. MSN. You want to hear what they say about this? And this is a direct quote. For an administration that routinely attacks former President Trump for being autocratic, the Biden administration is doing its impression of the totalitarian regime it so desperately warned that the Trump administration was. You want an example? They gave us one. The Biden administration's action telling businesses to ignore the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit's ordered pause and proceed with enforcing the vaccine mandate. 
a federal appeals court, reversed his mandate. And he thumbed his nose at that. Donald Trump never did anything like that. People should not wait. That was what White House then Deputy Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said. They should continue to move forward, make sure they're getting their workplace vaccinated. When President Joe Biden tells businesses in the country to ignore the courts, the media have little to say. After all, there's a Democrat in the White House. That sentence, quote, after all, there is a Democrat in the White House. That explains it all. From top to bottom, in government and mainstream media, the call to denigrate any Republican who dares stand against any wrongdoing, even illegal wrongdoing, is quickly and dramatically pounced upon by all these leftists. When a Democrat in power decides to do it, illegal acts. These same people don't just defend the fellow Democrat. They applaud that person's bold and powerful stand against the tyranny of those evil Republicans. Clearly, Joe Biden is serving his term as president as an authoritarian hell-bent on having it his way. Everything his way, regardless of the cost or the consequences, and, by the way, in total disregard for the Constitution, duly passed federal laws, and even U.S. Supreme Court rulings. Now, let me just say this, and I'm finishing up here. Before you're tempted to throw your Diet Pepsi at your computer screen in disgust at me, ask and question this answer. Give me the answer. On what basis can any president or any elected member of Congress arbitrarily thumb his or her nose at the laws that are passed by Congress regarding any issue? And what constitutional provision is acceptable to ignore? It boils down to this. There is no, none, zero, zilch, nip, no plausible explanation for Biden or for any other federal employee that justifies doing what Biden's doing. There is one that makes sense, though. It's because our commander-in-chief has assumed a new role. He is now the United States authoritarian commander-in-chief. If you could think of any other logical explanation, uh, and include something from the Constitution, let me know. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. This is not a happy thing to discuss, but let me tell you what it's necessary for. If you didn't join us yesterday, you didn't hear us talk about the impending shortage of food. It's coming. It will probably be here before the end of the summer. Why is that? You just heard the statistics on diesel. And did you hear the story yesterday about DEF? If you weren't with us, let me just say this. You need to hear this about DEF. You put that, that story in tandem with what you just heard about oil refining and oil exploration. 
And you heard the explanation that completely rebuffs what anybody in the Biden administration is saying about those leases, those federal leases that these oil companies won't drill on. Besides that, when you hear about DEF, this, if you're not already nauseated, you're going to puke. I got to be honest with you. We're in deep trouble. And we haven't been in this deep since Jimmy Carter was president. Since the entire world laughed at our president then. The only salvation was Ronald Reagan, who came and as quickly as possible turned it around. And Americans saw what free trade and the rule of law really was. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. together here today at TNN Live. Thank you for being here. You just joined us. Yeah, I'm froggy from the Little Rascals. It, it, it sounds worse than it is. You know, I'm not struggling or anything, but I appreciate you tolerating this because we have some very important things that we need to get into, as we usually do. And I mentioned going into the break about DEF. I'm, I'm certain there are some people that weren't here yesterday that didn't get the explanation of what's going on in that world and how important it is to what we're talking about. So if you don't know what DEF fluid is, it's diesel exhaust fluid. Diesel exhaust fluid. Now, what does that mean? Every diesel truck that has been made since 2010 is required to use DEF. It's a product made of 67% urea fertilizer, 33% distilled water. Every diesel truck you see going down the road today has to have DEF in it to drive. The engine won't even start without it. There are regulators inside the engine that mix DEF with the diesel to reduce diesel emissions. And that's the purpose of the DEF. So why is that such a big deal? Well, follow this line of reasoning right now. Russia is the largest exporter of urea by a wide margin. Qatar is second. Egypt and China are tied for third. Both Russia and China 
have decided to no longer export urea. On top of that, India is the largest manufacturer of urea in the world, even though they consume most of what they make. What little they had left over that they would export, guess what? They're not exporting it anymore. They are now stopping the exportation of any and all urea minus a deal they just cut with Sri Lanka. So what does this mean for you and me? Well, first, the United States imports most of its urea fertilizer. We're the third largest importer in the entire world. We depend on other countries to eat, drive, and ship our products for us. We depend on other countries to eat, drive, and ship our products. Now, this DEF thing gets even more specific and therefore more serious. Flying J is the largest service provider for truckers around the continental United States. I know you've seen their big gas stations when you're traveling around the country. Flying J gets 70% of their DEF fluid from shipments by Union Pacific Railroad. That's a great thing. UP has single-user access to those fertilizer plants that urea deaf fluid comes from. No other rail provider has access to any of these distribution points. What does that mean? Flying J can't just go around Union Pacific. Union Pacific is in charge for a reason a reason I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. Flying J provides 30% of all DEF consumed in the U.S. Union Pacific has told Flying J, hey, you got to reduce the shipments of DEF that come by 50%. And if you do not comply, you will be completely embargoed. What would that do? It would bankrupt Flying J. This means that 15% of all DEF consumed by truckers in the U.S. is no longer available at the largest travel service center for the entire trucking industry. I watched, for the first time in my life last night, the movie Troy. You remember, it's a really good movie. It's two hours plus. I won't even go into the details. But it showed some differences in early world history in foreign countries. Rome, the big Rome, the one that controlled most of the world at one time, they rotted from the inside out. Rome was easily invaded because it was occupied with their internal problems. And it appears that we've discovered the trigger for that for us. DEF fluid. If this holds up, DEF shortages is going to be the catalyst that causes food shortages in the coming months here and around the world. Not only is there a shortage of fertilizer to grow crops in drought-stricken states, but now it looks like, unless the federal government intervenes through the Defense Production Act, which I'm not any longer confident they're going to do it, there's going to be an absolute massive shortage of trucking in the upcoming months. There simply isn't going to be DEF fluid. 
sufficient to keep engines running and trucks moving. Home Depot is now limiting the amount of DEF you can buy in their stores. I would think long and hard about the decisions you're making right now. Where you live, what you spend your money on, how you prepare. This is so real that the CEO of Flying J, Shamit Konar, was summoned to a surface transportation board hearing to give them all this information I just gave to you. From what I'm reading, BlackRock. You've heard about BlackRock right here at TNN Live. It's the majority shareholder of Union Pacific Railroad. How's that important? America's biggest fertilizer producer is CF Industries. Their largest shareholder is BlackRock. BlackRock controls the fertilizer industry in the nation. Union Pacific has exclusive rights to distribution points of fertilizer. Urea is fertilizer. Flying J needs urea slash DEF. BlackRock is controlling everything. The chairman of the BlackRock Investment Institute is Tom Donilon. Who's Tom Donilon? President Obama's former national security advisor. Tom Donilon's brother, Mike, is a senior advisor to Joe Biden. Tom Donilon's wife, Catherine Russell, is the White House personnel director. And Tom Donilon's daughter, Sarah Donilon, she graduated from college in 2019, now works on the White House National Security Council. It appears that BlackRock is spearheading the dismantling of the U.S. system on behalf of globalists. You better start rethinking your opinion about the reality of globalism and globalists that we've heard about. i got to be honest with you, until 10 years ago, I thought it was a figment of people's imagination. Every few days now, Something factual slips into the news and it confirms there is actually a group of billionaires and trillionaires that have for generations perpetuated the concept we need to have a one world government that controls every country. And listen, folks, this scheme that you just heard about, it's real. I'm not making it up. There's no counter-opinion. It's facts. It's factual. And our administration is sitting on the truth that would set all of us free. They're not doing anything about it. And they're not going to. Why? Because who is controlling whoever that is? Joe Biden and his decisions. They don't want it to change. They like the direction in which we're going. How do I know that? If they didn't like it, they would have flipped the switch and we'd be going the other direction. It hadn't happened yet. And you may think when I'm saying this, well, eventually they'll have to flip the switch. Uh Uh-uh. They look at the world through a different lens as you and I. And theirs has, they may, you may have a lot of money. And I'm sure we have people who listen to the show every day that are multimillionaires. However much you have, I promise you, 
their number has at least three more zeros than your number, if not six. He who controls the gold controls everything. That's just a fact. That's the way it is. Now, let, let me tell you how, not just weak, but how purposefully dishonest is this administration, everyone in it from top to bottom. You remember Admiral Kirby. Admiral Kirby just left the job as a spokesperson for the Pentagon. And he moved to the White House. Why would they move him to the White House? Because he was so smooth. He never made any waves. He backed up even the most horrible decisions made by generals and made by the Secretary of Defense during the Afghanistan debacle. John Kirby was the apologist. He fits in really well at the White House. So yesterday in a press briefing, Peter Ducey of Fox News, he confronted the Admiral about what this administration is going to do about the problem with oil and with gasoline and with diesel. Uh, I have a question about U.S. national security. How is it that you guys have determined that it's in the U.S. national security interest to ask Saudi Arabia to drill more oil uh, instead of just letting oil companies drill more here in the U.S.? Well, I think you know, uh, Peter, there's uh, some 9,000 unused drilling permits here in the United States uh, as well. Um, look, um, the, uh, the oil production issue is a global issue, uh, and OPEC plus three has already increased preset increases by more than 50% just for <clears throat> July and, uh, and August, uh, and we're grateful to Saudi Arabia's leadership on that. But we've never said that uh, we've never said it's a national security interest that somebody has to pump more oil. Uh, and again, there's there's unused permits here in the United States. Uh, and but. As a national strategic issue, then, uh, how is it in the, uh, how much lower can we let the strategic petroleum reserves get before that becomes a problem? I, I think I would uh, refer to the president's uh, energy advisors on something like that, Peter. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what the inventory is, but I do, you know, remind, and I think you know this, the president did uh, tap into the strategic oil, oil reserves to try to relieve some of the pressure at, at the pump, um, and he'll use a range of, of tools available to him going forward. I think that's about the best I can do on that. That's about the best I can do on that. Did you catch that? You also heard him say, you know, those 9,000 leases, they're not drilling on them. You got a couple of hurdles there. First of all, you got to get another permit from the federal government to drill on that land that you just leased. There are no guarantees you're going to get it. And before you can get the permit, the EPA has to do an environmental assessment, which they don't do until after the leases are sold and after a drilling permit is given then and only then will they go do their environmental analysis and they can stop drilling. They do it all the time. The American public don't know these things. All they're hearing is the noise that is being fed to them by the likes of ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the LA Times, Chicago Tribune, all of those owned and functioning, operating at the behest of the leftist in politics and media. In other words, 
They're not hearing what you and I are hearing. They're not participating in what you and I are participating in. They continue to speak and perpetuate the lies and misinformation that they tell us. If you don't believe this, you're an idiot. They'll put you in that basket along with the other deplorables that Hillary Clinton, she created that in her 2016 campaign. At a meeting with big donors, she didn't know there was a camera on. And her saying that, it was emblazoned on on the hearts of every conservative for all time. She'll never get away with doing that. Wow. I mean, we're, we're an hour and 10 minutes into the show. And we are just really getting into the meat of things. And I got to be honest with you. It's not something that uh, we purposefully do. That's not who we are. Not at all. And uh, we're here to work. And we're working for you. And we're getting information. Information that you have to have. A very closely watched recession predictor in the bond market. It just began to flash red yesterday, spurring a bunch of new educated concerns that our economy is on track for a downturn this year as a result of the Federal Reserve's war on inflation. Yesterday, the Fed announced they're going to raise interest rates 0.75%. And what does that mean? That's the biggest jump they've ever done at one time. That means they're concerned about impending recession. Now, they haven't used the words yet, but they're talking about it. And it starts always in the bond market. So the spread between a two-year and 10-year Treasury bond yield, in other words, how much it really is the value, it inverted, went the other way this week for the first time since April. And it did so on fears that the Fed's aggressive approach to tackling the hottest inflation in 40 years could lead to a sustained slowdown in our nation's growth. The phenomenon, which is rare, it's been an accurate predictor throughout history of recessions. Yields on the two-year Treasury note climbed as high as 3.431% during morning trading yesterday, rising above those on 30-year bonds, which fell to about 3.277. Now, this move, don't get caught up in the little percentages. Look at the top line, which is watching the movement. It reflects fears of a Fed policy error and an impending recession. That's according to Mark Hackett, Chief of Investment Research at Nationwide. Now, what happens in a recession? If you've not lived through a real one, Here's what begins to happen. You think prices are bad on everything now? We go into a recession. They go even higher. You can't borrow money. No banking institute wants to lend anybody money. And if they do, let me just give you an explanation. We sold a home in Bastrop, Louisiana in 1981. This is on the very tail end of Jimmy Carter. Reagan had just been elected, and he was beginning at that point to put in his agenda, which really changed the economics of the nation. And on Jimmy Carter's watch, he was only president from 1976 to 1980. Thank God. 
And I'll never forget him being elected. He was elected the day our youngest daughter, Corey, was born, November 2nd, 1976. But listen to what happened on his watch. Prime interest, the rate that we just talked about, the lending rate by the Federal Reserve, which is now, it's a huge move. It's over 3%. Ooh. Do you know what prime interest rate was when we sold that home in Bastrop, Louisiana? 19%. 19%. What does that mean? That means for banks, who where do they get their money? They borrow it from the Federal Reserve or they entice investors to deposit their money in their bank. How do they entice investors? Well, you got to pay more than the bank has to pay to get the money. Hmm. So what does that mean? Prime lending rate, 19%. If you're going to borrow money, you got to be willing to pay at least 20%. Can you imagine paying a 20% mortgage interest rate on the house you live in today? Many of you, I've, I know a bunch of people, you have mortgage rates at 2 2.5%. Can you imagine the interest that you would pay additionally for the same house if you were having to pay 20% mortgage interest rate? That happened. Now, am I saying, or do I believe that that's going to happen again? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a praying Christian. I pray for God's health and welfare for all of us, and that includes you, and it includes our financial situations. I lived through that, and I can tell you it was horrible, absolutely horrible. Everything went crazy. The car business went crazy. Every kind of non-necessity in the marketplace, many of which had for decades thrived. Boats, RVs, nobody was buying them because, first of all, they couldn't afford them. And secondly, they couldn't operate them because of the cost of fuel. I'm not saying we're going there, but what I am saying is the signs don't look good. Now let's get out of this conversation. Golly, we spent too much time talking about bad stuff. Let's talk about some truthful stuff. Let's talk about some real information. You're going to love this. Voter fraud. (laughs) Voter fraud. Looking back at 2020, have you seen the movie 2000 Mules yet? If you haven't, Go watch it. You can download it. Listen to the data. I'm not telling you what or what not to believe. I'm telling you to listen to and look at the data, the facts. You've got to do that, folks, before you cast another vote in a primary or the midterm elections. You've got to do it. You've got to watch it. So while this debate over the integrity of that election 2020, it rages on. Prosecutors across the country, what's what's going on? They have assembled evidence in court against numerous election officials, against activists, and some candidates. And they even helped overturn the results in one race. You're not hearing mainstream media even talk about any of this. 
about to hear some facts. Those who have been recently investigated or charged in connection with election fraud, and in some cases, by the way, they didn't want a trial, so they quietly pled guilty. They range from local to the federal ballot box, and they date all the way back to 2014. This didn't just start happening. And probably it will come as no surprise to you, many of the cases are over mail-in ballots, which were much more widely used amid the pandemic when voters feared going to polling stations or communities shuttered locations as part of lockdown mandates. Phil Klein, who's the director of election integrity watchdog, the Amistad Project, on Monday stated that while government officials cheating on elections is as old as the first election in Athens, Greece, what's new in some governments have been disinterested in scrutinizing this election, 2020, the one we just came out of. What's challenging now is a large group of government officials and members of one particular party don't want to make an effort to identify election fraud. But some evidence, it's broken through. And some of it has resulted in very high-profile prosecutions. In Troy, New York, Kimberly Ash McPherson, a GOP councilwoman, resigned from the city council there after pleading guilty to federal identity theft for fraudulently submitting three absentee ballots in the state's primaries and general elections last year amid her re-election. A Republican. She said an official on the Rensselaer County Board of Elections in New York gave her guidance on how to submit the ballots. Her plea agreement is part of an investigation led by the FBI into allegations of widespread ballot fraud in Rensselaer County. In Pennsylvania, former Democrat Congressman Michael Ozzie Myers pled guilty to conspiracy to deprive voters of civil rights, bribery, obstruction of justice, falsification of voting records, and conspiring to illegally vote in a federal election by orchestrating schemes to fraudulently stuff ballot boxes for specific Democrat candidates in the 2014, 15, 16, 17 and 2018 Pennsylvania election. How did it happen? Well, Myers bribed Dominic DeMuro, a Philadelphia Democratic Ward chairman, and he's also an election judge, who pled guilty in 2020 to accepting bribes. Myers also admitted to another election conspiracy in which he worked with South Philly election judge Marie Barron who was charged separately and pled guilty in 2021. Hadn't heard about that, have you? In Arizona, Guermina Fuentes, a former Democrat mayor of San Luis and board member for the Gadsden Elementary School District, by the way, pled guilty this month to ballot harvesting during the August 2020 primary election. Fuentes was part of a ballot harvesting scheme in Yuma County in which early ballots were collected from voters and dropped off at a ballot box on primary election day. In Compton, California, 
Councilman Isaac Galvin, charged in connection with rigging votes in his June 2021 runoff. The runoff followed a close primary with a challenger, Andre Spicer. The election victory by Galvin was overturned by a judge who determined that four of the votes cast in the runoff, which was won by one vote, four of them were submitted by people who lived outside the district. Spicer then replaced Galvin as councilman at the end of May. Galvin, a Democrat, pled guilty, excuse me, pled not guilty to the charges. Prosecution pending. Patterson, New Jersey, City Councilman Michael Jackson rejected a plea agreement last month. He was and is involved in an election fraud case regarding mail-in ballots. He's a Democrat. He was charged in June of 2020, then was indicted by a grand jury in February of last year. The charges include election fraud, fraud in casting mail-in vote, unauthorized possession of ballots, tampering with public records or information, falsifying or tampering with records. Jackson ran and came in third for the mayoral election last month in Patterson. Democrat Councilman Alex Mendez has also been indicted on the same charges, in addition to ones related to falsifying one or more registrations. Mendez denied the charges, competed with Jackson in the same mayoral election last month, and he finished second. You want another one? Pendleton County, West Virginia. Contract mail carrier Thomas Cooper pled guilty in July to attempted election fraud and injury to the mail, was sentenced to five years of probation with the first six months as home confinement. The Pendleton County clerk received eight absentee ballot requests for the 2020 primary connected to Cooper that were altered. Five of the requests appeared to have the political party changed from Democrat to Republican, and the other three were altered without the party being changed. Klein also said that the novel problem in U.S. elections is that in using the COVID-19 pandemic as an excuse, many jurisdictions set aside basic law and principles to prevent fraud before they happen. Klein noted that people have been convicted regarding election fraud in almost every election in U.S. history. However, here we go. The influx of millions of dollars in private funding for the administration of elections, in addition to fraud prevention safeguards being discarded and the government not investigated fraud, is unprecedented. Those were just five isolated cases, Dan. Okay, the obvious question I'll go ahead and ask you, are you okay with it being five cases? Is that okay, voter fraud in every one of those cases? Is that okay with you? I'll just rephrase the question. How many false ballots in any election, your election, maybe you're running for office, Maybe you've been in office. Maybe you are in office. And I got to be completely honest with you. I just looked and noticed we have a congressman listening into this show today. I won't tell you who it is. But it's not a frequent flyer here. Nevertheless, I got to I got to just be I got to be honest and tell you. 
we have access to legal access to computer IP addresses. And during live, uh, obviously when the show goes off, that IP address, any IP address of any computer or phone listening, it goes away. But we have a, maybe I shouldn't even say anything, but we have a few people that we know listen regularly. We have access to computer IP addresses. And it just so happens we have somebody listening right now. I want to say this. There's no way that it's virtually impossible, certainly impractical, but even impossible to ever know where all the fraud and corruption is in our election systems. But what every member of Congress, Democrat or Republican, every governor in the state, every appointee by any president, this this president, Donald Trump, whoever follows this president, every president should demand, every one of you should demand for 100% clarity on the validity of every vote in every federal, every state, in every local election that's cast. If you're in government and you're over any of these election processes, you need to demand and settle for nothing less than 100% verification of the accuracy of the election counting, not just counting the votes, but making sure that every vote that is cast is cast legally by a legally registered person to vote in that election. And you need It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Max. Wee, wee, wee! Maxwell. Yeah? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. 
GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Let me just say something. I, I just got to throw this out there. You remember all of the talk. Um, it, I guess it's really ramped up in the last six months about white supremacy and violence. And remember the letter from Eric Garland that he put out there to the National School Board Association telling them he was being asked and he basically said, we at the Department of Justice, we're going to start watching these parents, these parents that are going to these school board meetings and threatening school board members and teachers for what they're teaching. Remember that? And he used the term very loosely to see if these people are tied to domestic terrorism. Let me point something out to you, and this wasn't one of the topics we were going to talk about today, but I think it's important to note. We have witnessed in the last 90 days, actually even more aggressively since that draft opinion of the Supreme Court that it looks like they're coming out and probably will overturn Roe v. Wade. We have witnessed five examples of pro-abortion groups and individuals that have attacked and in some cases destroyed businesses, places of operations, and even threatening people over the abortion potential overturn. By the federal government's definition, by the Department of Justice's definition, each one of those acts was a domestic terrorist act. Have you heard about any arrest? Have you heard about any of the furor, any uproar? No, not a bit. This should be, if you needed any further convincing, this fact alone should convince you that this president, this attorney general, this director, secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, none of them are committed to the rule of law. None of them are committed to perform in the oath of office with which they were sworn in to be secretary of Homeland Security, secretary of the Department of Justice, attorney general and the inaugurated Joe Biden as President of the United States. None of this would, could possibly happen without some drastic response by the American federal government. None of it has even been mentioned. I'm talking about destroying, burning down, threatening all individually and especially collectively acts of domestic terrorism. We haven't even talked about uh, we haven't even talked about what's going on with this January 6 committee. January 6 committee. You know all about it. What's happening there? It's a witch hunt again. It's I guess basically a third impeachment attempt against Joe Biden, excuse me, against Donald Trump, even though Trump's not in office, they can't call it that. But they're doing everything within their power to keep him from having a chance to run for president again in 2024. And one of the linchpins on that committee is a Republican, Liz Cheney, 
Liz Cheney, a congresswoman, and I'm not even supposed to say that, congressperson. I'll try to be uh, politically accurate. She's from Wyoming, has been in for multiple terms, and she is kind of the co-chairman of this January 6th committee. She's running for re-election. Every member of the House of Representatives runs for re-election every two years. Nobody wants to talk about her race in Wyoming. She's always won, hands down. They haven't had the primary election in her congressional district in Wyoming. You haven't heard what I'm about to tell you. And this was published early, early this morning by CNN. CNN reports Liz Cheney has only a 10% chance of winning re-election. Disapproval among voters in her state have more than doubled. She may be treated as royalty today by Democrats because she's the co-chair of that select committee. But her re-election prospects, it ain't looking good. This is according to CNN of all places where the network's data reporter gave a stark reality check for the so-called Republican from Wyoming in her primary, and it's set for August 16th. How does it look for her? Anderson Cooper asked live on air Harry Enton on AC360 yesterday. Well, if you watched what happened in South Carolina, I bet you could guess, Enton replied, referring to that state's voting on Tuesday in which Representative Tom Rice, who joined Democrats last year in voting to impeach Trump, he lost to state Representative Russell Fry, a candidate endorsed by Trump. On Cheney, he said, this is Harry Enton, if you go over to Wyoming, look at her disapproval rating. Essentially, what you see is that it has doubled, more than doubled, gone up 40 points from before she voted to impeach Trump, to after voting to impeach Trump. Viewers were then shown a graphic that displayed Cheney's disapproval rating in her state. It's now at 72%. That's worlds away from the 26 she had before she voted to impeach Trump. Enton dropped the bombshell that Cheney has only a 10% chance at winning the Wyoming GOP primary. If you look at the betting odds, whether or not she'll win re-election, only about a 10% chance that she's going to win. People are not stupid. Voters are not stupid. People get it, folks. People get it. I mean, we, we've heard a story about voter fraud that's real. It's not a myth, and we talked about it. We heard about inflation. It's not a myth. It's really happening. The shortages of everything, they're not just a myth. They're happening and getting worse. Did you hear the latest on the baby formula issues that we have? Abbott, that produces baby food in that Michigan plant up there that was shut down and left shut by the Environmental Protection Agency on Joe Biden's watch for months before Biden even admitted there was a problem, said he didn't know anything about it. Well, guess what happened? They just got the plant reopened last week. Guess what happened last night? 
It's closed. It's closed. Why? Flooding. <laughs> I'm not laughing at anybody. I'm chuckling at the irony. It's almost like everything in nature, everything in just the global atmosphere is looking pretty bad for Joe Biden and every American because of Joe Biden and his policies. And it's when you think it can't get worse, (laughs) something like this happened and it gets worse. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on in D.C., not in Congress, but in the mayor's office. Democrat Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. She ordered on Monday of this week that altered American flags be flown along Pennsylvania Avenue in protest of lack of congressional representation. What's that about? You may not know this, but every state has members of the House of Representatives, and it's based upon the various congressional districts and the number of people that live within each of those districts. Washington, D.C., obviously, is not a state, so they don't, they don't have any real representatives, any real vote. They have some people that attend and participate in congressional matters, but when it comes to voting, they don't have a vote. Why is that? The Constitution, the establishment of Washington, D.C. as the site of the federal government made it very clear. They, the people in Washington, D.C., are not guaranteed to have congressional representation. Our forefathers knew that everybody that lived in that area would be slanted politically towards whichever political party's candidate ends up winning in Congress, both the House and the, uh, the Senate, and of course the White House. So Mayor Muriel Bowser is a lesbian, African-American. I just thought I'd throw that in there. She actually is married, and I can't remember her name now. It escapes me. She was uh, an African-American woman. She was the chairman of the Democrat National Committee during Hillary Clinton's run for the White House. And she, for a while, Donna, 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 Brazil, Donna, Brazil, for some reason, Last year, at the beginning of the year, right after the 2020 election, Fox News decided to bring her in as the token. And I shouldn't even use the term token after I told you she's African-American because somebody will call me a racist for saying it. I'm just saying she was a token Democrat in certain shows on Fox News. I'm just giving you the background for this. Bowser made this announcement when she talked about the flag. Here's what she said. Today, ahead of Flag Day, I directed our team to hang 51 star flags along Pennsylvania Avenue as a reminder to Congress and the nation that the 700,000 taxpaying American citizens living in D.C. demand to be recognized. On Flag Day, we celebrate American ideals. American history, and American liberty. But the very foundation of those ideals and the basis for our liberty is representation. D.C.'s disenfranchisement is a stain on American democracy, a 220-year-old wrong that demands to be righted. We are at 
an inflection point for American democracy, she said. And it is within the Senate's power to do the right thing, embrace representation, and move D.C. statehood forward to the president's desk. And let me just point something out. She, like many others, and some of you listening, you may believe that Congress can decide to bring in another state. It doesn't work that way. They have a say-so. But then it goes to the American people. Americans have to vote on it. Now, let me just say this, and I'll move on. I'm positive that her doing this, changing, altering the American flag by adding a 51st star is violation of a federal law. Now, what does that mean, Dan? It means nothing. (laughs) It means nothing today because they're not going to do anything about it. Do you know the name Matt Vespa? Have you heard that before? Well, let me tell you what he had to say yesterday. In a story that he penned, he wrote this, and I'm quoting him. This guy sucks. You already know that. His level of suck has become irreparable. It's a black hole. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, for that matter, just sucked the life out of everything. They're killing this country. And both clowns arrogantly thought if they were just there in D.C., everything would be righted. Not the case. Harris has fumbled the ball so much she's not even included in White House business anymore. Keep her away from the cameras unless it's necessary. Keep her away from being tasked with any more big-ticket items. She's beyond incompetent. Then you have total geezer Joe Biden, who is just 10 miles behind everything facing us. He's about to beg like a dog for oil from the Saudis. His summit of the Americans event was an empty shell because Mexico, our top trading partner in the region, They boycotted his meeting. The slogan, America is first, has been cast aside. The adults are back. (laughs) No, it's the mentally challenged who are back. The White House is now a hybrid residence akin to a mental hospital combined with a nursing home. Harris is so toxic, her top staff has left for other jobs. Joe Biden was warned about baby formula shortages months ago, but the neurological receptors didn't spark. He sat on his hands. He didn't know this was going to become an issue. He also thought inflation would just go away. It was transitory. He also promised to shut down an infectious airborne virus. He's failed in every single major crisis he's faced. And we won't even mention Afghanistan. Now, his party's rhetoric about protest outside of Supreme Court justices' homes has come back to haunt as a man armed with a gun was arrested outside of Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home. He was planning, he said, the man said, an assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. It all points to old man Joe not being able to corral his party. On his left flank, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York, 
represents the progressive wing of the party, couldn't even say, wouldn't even say, she could back Geezer Man in 2024. AOC has made it known for months she's not pleased with Biden or the more moderate members of her party. She will do whatever she feels is right. And if that means hurling some hand grenades into her own tent, so be it. There is no way Joe Biden will ever get her under control. With mounting crises and a party that's not really in lockstep behind him, does Joe have what it takes to give it another go in 2024? His age is certainly going to be a 2024 issue. As David Axelrod noted, who is he? He's a former senior Obama advisor, David Axelrod. He warned that Biden's age could be a major issue in the 2024 election. The presidency is a monstrously taxing job. And the stark reality is the president would be closer to 90 than 80 at the end of a second term. That would be a major issue. He looks his age and isn't as agile in front of a camera as he once was. This has fed a narrative about competence that isn't rooted in reality, he added. Axelrod also claimed that Biden doesn't get the credit he deserves for steering the country through the worst of the pandemic, passing historic legislation, pulling the NATO alliance together against Russian aggression, and restoring decency and decorum to the White House. Yeah, that's Axelrod. That paragraph was his kind of attempt to save face. Well, first, Axelrod's a good soldier. So he had to say that. Second, it's also total crap. The NATO alliance was plenty strong under Trump, who got them to pay for the first time for their security dues. He didn't guide us through the pandemic. Joe let it burn through because that's all we could do, though Trump was smeared as a grim reaper for wanting a more common-sense approach to the virus instead of one everyone wearing 170 masks at a time, wearing moon suits, and getting 1,789 shots of the vaccine. Guys, you don't peddle out a message that you'll all get sick and die this winter if you already know your COVID strategy was stupid and shoddy. That's what Biden did. Biden is a geezer, can't do the job. That's the elephant in the room. Spencer also touched on this and the appalling lack of depth on the Democrat bench should Joe not make the roster in 2024. You know what? You may not totally agree with what was said there. I get that. We don't have to agree with everything we hear. Nobody has to totally agree on anything and everything I say or you say just because we can say it. That's okay. We need to express ourselves. We need to let everyone in our circle of influence know how we feel. Don't get aggressive. Don't be abrasive. Try to sit down and say, look, I want to explain to you how I feel. And I want you to explain to me how you feel. Maybe we'll end up saying we're not going to agree. That's okay. Let's somehow decide in unison we're going to get along, just agreeing to get along. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. 
Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless sleep blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. Oh yeah, there are stories that they don't want you to hear. I'm going to drop this bomb on you about COVID. Oh, by the way, Dr. Fauci tested positive for COVID. Now, I'm not going to go off in a diatribe about negative things about Dr. Dr. Fauci. The man is sick. He's got COVID and he made it very clear that he's done everything he was supposed to do. He's double vaxxed and he's triple boosted. Now, in his own words, I'll just liken back to back then when he was teaching us all those truths about how to handle COVID-19. None of that, him being tested positive for COVID after he was double vaxxed and triple boosted, he told us all, if you do that, you're going to be fine. If you don't do it, you're going to die. His words, not mine. We wish you the best, Dr. Fauci. Get well soon. But let's just take off on a pretty big bombshell release about COVID-19. Unusually long blood clots are being found in people who receive COVID-19 vaccines. This is coming from Dr. Ryan Cole of Cole Diagnostics in Boise, Idaho. Cole's lab receives tissue samples from morticians across the country. He reports that they are finding long blood clots including several that are inches long, even a couple that are a foot long, in bodies that contained the COVID vaccines. Liberty Council, which is a religious freedom legal advocacy nonprofit currently representing military members seeking vaccines mandate exemptions, recently interviewed Dr. Cole. His lab is able to determine the difference between a spike protein caused by the virus and a spike protein caused by the COVID shots which are demonstrably different and much more pronounced and much more serious. Cole told Greg Hunter on USA Watchdog earlier this month that a Stanford University study found that unlike a COVID infection, which leaves the body in a week or two, the vaccine causes the spike protein to remain in the body longer. Those who had a natural infection cleared the virus within the first week or two. Their body had the ability to clear it. 
But when you put the synthetic sequence in, the body is not clearing it, he explained. It's persistently making spike protein. And that sequence is persisting, and then it's damaging the organs chronically over time. It's damaging the immune cells chronically over time. It's causing clots chronically over time. And folks, this is not me saying this. This is a doctor who specializes in this one thing. Just because he's a doctor, does that mean you and I should accept what he says and believe him? It lends me to lean that way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the absolute truth. Thank you for tolerating my voice today. Thank you for being here every day. Let me hear from you. Comments, questions, good or bad. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. You have a huge Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow morning at TNN Live. I've been grinding so long, been trying this shit for years. And I got nothing to show, just climbing this rope right here.